ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. It's pushing boundaries. Not sure what they are, but... On. G'day. Hello, Zan. How are you? How are you? I'm good. You How sound you? sick. Oh, I know. It's weird, isn't it? I don't feel sick, but I, I'm scared it's the omen before <laughs> the oh, no. arrival. I think it's just end of year. It's just run down. There's a little bit of kind of annoying back of the throat hay fever vibes going on in oh. Melbourne at the moment. Shout outs to all the plane trees that the state government have planted everywhere to make us all choke whenever they are in full spring bloom. But, yeah, I do. I found that yesterday. I was like, why do I sound sick? I think it's yeah. just a bit of end of 2023 vibes. You've had enough. The year's over. I well, think. You just, your body's decided. <laughs> it's the end of November. I'm done. I'm really feeling the passage of time. Like, I can't believe that last week we were coming off the Arias. That felt like it happened a month ago. I know. I know. It's wild, isn't it? It's and I know that's like that's it's quite trite, isn't it? To talk about how how quickly the year goes and it goes more and more quickly the older you get. But this year was like, what happened? Where did it go? I have no idea. I live in Brisbane now. Like, I, what? <laughs> how did that happen? Like, I just it, yeah, it's like I've just magically teleported, you know, to different time zones or something this year. I don't really understand myself. I saw it's a, me out of here. a funny meme a mate uh, at work, Al, sent to me, which was um, a basic kind of just like three panels and the top said January and the middle one said Barbenheimer and then the last one said November and that's pretty much the year. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> oh, you can add the tillies in there. That's a good marker. Oh, we're going to get to the tillies actually a little bit later on in our Bang On. Lots of bits and pieces, your grab bag of music, art, life and stuff. That's what Bang On is all about. And can you believe it? It's back, baby. The incredible opening theme and titles of The Crown, season six, the final season of The Crown, the Netflix prestige drama, which the first four episodes dropped over the weekend. Uh, The rest of it, I think six more episodes, maybe ten. A good chunk are coming in mid-December. From prestige drama to absolute soap opera myth. I've dropped off. (laughs) What's happened? All I've done is read a couple of mini comments, not even a proper review. Hot takes. Um, Just a couple of hot takes here and there on the socials, and that is, this is utterly bonkers. Yeah. Apparently there's a scene, and you may be able to confirm or deny this, where uh, Lady Diana Spencer actually has a chat with the Queen, once she's dead. Ghost Diana. Is this correct? Yes, it is. Is this correct? Yes, it is. I mean, WTF, what on earth is going on here? And Charles <laughs> How have as they well. Gone? How have they gone from, like, you know, quite respectable, serious and really interesting drama? I mean, you can remember when we are in lockdown, we are all obsessed with this show. And, you know, I, as I've always said, I... I detest the monarchy, but I'm obsessed with the royals. But even I've dropped off this. Is it is it as bonkers as they say? Well, you know I'm watching till the end because I'm a completist. Yes. <laughs> and I did enjoy it, even though, you know what I think is I enjoyed most about it? It's absolutely cooked. I will say that from the get-go. But so many times we watch The Crown and there's conversations around it as though it's a documentary, as mm. though it's something that obviously is based very much in fact, but this is a narrative fictional 
telling of a real family and real events. And that's the thing that I've always loved about it too, because it's reminded me of events in history. And I've gone to do, you know, the Wikipedia, the Google, got the phone there, double screening, just checking in on things. This Mm -hmm. new season, at least the first four episodes I've seen, are so far beyond that, that it's finally (laughs) reminding everyone that, hang on guys, it's not a bloody documentary. It's a soap opera. It's next level. Um, And yes, rooted in, based on a true story, but very much verging into kind of Hallmark era scripting. Oh, sounds good. Sounds like something I might enjoy, actually. You will love this. the case, because I love a Hallmark drama. Absolutely. Even like the kind of, the way that tonally it's shot. I mean, it looks amazing. A lot of money's gone into it. And the performances are still great. Like you've got... Elizabeth DeBecky, Australian actor playing Diana, she is incredible in this. Uh, Imelda Staunton, who is the queen and has been for the last couple of seasons, she's really great in this as well. Dominic West, I still don't quite believe that he's Charles. His facial uh, movements that he does in trying to mimic Charles feel a little bit kind of pantomime They're just a bit too okay. much. But He's behind you. <laughs> and also he keeps on saying that, which really takes me out of the narrative. <laughs> But, um, yeah, some of the scripting is cooked. In the moment where she's um, Ghost Diana, which, P.S., the creator, Peter Morgan, does not like people calling her Ghost Diana. Because I understand, like... What did you expect, Peter? What did you expect? (laughs) That comes in the fourth episode. And I don't feel like I'm spoiling anything, because, first of all, we all know what happened to Diana. It was awful. It's a tragedy. But also a lot of people are talking about Ghost Diana. So there's no spoilers here. But... um, she th- this is literally one of the lines. She thanks Charles for being so raw, broken and handsome in the oh, hospital when he saw her body. I'll take that with me, she adds. What? Oh, what? It's full on bold on the beautiful material here. <laughs> it's amazing. Sounds um, good. You're going to watch it though. You've got to watch it. It's the Yeah, Lord. I think I, de- I need to now. This is, this is a, a top, top tier review. Thank you very much, Sam. <laughs> It is as bonkers as what everyone's saying. Must watch. Yeah. And, of course, you're in the period where Diana is living well, was living her best life for a while in terms of going on yachts and expensive things. I just like watching people go on holidays. So, Mm. obviously, a huge tragedy. It happened 30 years ago now, um, but almost 30 years ago. But, yeah, it's, it's interesting to relive it as an absolute soap opera drama. The full series will be landing on Netflix in mid-December. But, yeah, the first four episodes are up there now. Also this week, big news for Nat Bass, Natalie Bassing-Quaite, who uh, gave an interview to Stella Magazine, and which is that big lift out in the Sunday papers. They also do a podcast. And they do great fashion shoots too. I've done them. They put you in clothes that you would never wear and... Make you feel fabulous. I I've been waiting it. for the call. If anyone from Stella Magazine is, um, <laughs> I, I literally am waiting. I keep on saying, like, ready. Lo- lots of mates, including you, posting it. I'm like, put me in some fashion. Oh, they put me in a suit and I loved it. I've never really worn it like a proper business suit. It was oversized and it was just gorgeous. It's your David Byrne moment. You looked amazing. It was my David Byrne moment. I loved it. Was that around when your memoir came out that you were chatting with Stella? Yeah, that's right. I remember that. So good. Anyway, Stella, um, you know where to find me and I'd love to hear from you. But Natalie Bassingthwaite, um, obviously a huge star of television, of screen and also with Rogue Traders. And she came out um, in a new relationship that makes my heart smile. She's dating a woman. And I say, good on you, Nat Bass. I say good on you, Nat Bass, too, and the queer community rejoices. Another one. I had a lot of lesbian friends celebrating this the other day. It's like she's, yep, she's finally seen the light. <laughs> seen the light. Seen the light. 
I think it's great that she is shared this. Everyone chooses their own way if they want to or not to share it. I wonder, I really hope that no one was, you know, being awful paparazzi, speaking of Diana, you know, threatening to out her, saying that they had something on her. I hope that she came to this of her own volition and wanting to share it herself um, I do and not too, being but forced. When you, say that, when you say that, though, I did see something in the Daily Mail photographing her new partner. And, I, and, then, and when you say that, I think, oh, maybe there was something about to come out. But I also want to believe, and I think this happens to women when they get into their mid-40s, of which she is, I assume, heading towards middle age, is, is just a more of an acceptance of, of who you are and what you want from life and mm. i'm hoping i'm hoping she's at that point and and this was a, a something that she did of her own volition as opposed to being you know pressured by the the trashy rags that print all these kind of photos but I hope yeah, so, yeah. I, I feel like she's she's coming to her own perhaps and yeah. that's fabulous absolutely and her ex-husband and former bandmate Cameron McGlinchey has also been very um outwardly supportive as well which you love to see we're kind of at the end of the year, which means we're talking about a lot of um, best ofs, end of year ofs. Uh, heads up, actually, we're going to be doing a big year in review very, very soon yes. for Bang On. It will be as cooked as you can imagine. There will be no mm-hmm. time person of the year in our year in review. It'll be our Why own not? special take. <laughs> um, but last week we were talking about the men of the year uh, edition of GQ, of which Kim Kardashian was on, on one of the covers. This year it's all about the woman of the year in Marie Claire, and the wonderful Mary Fowler has taken away the cover spot as Woman of the Year. You love to see it. Go the Tillies. Speaking of the Tillies, I mean, what a year for them. Uh, I think Sam Kerr got Icon of the Year yeah. as well. Yeah. So, you know, they're just dominating all of the awards and, and well-deserved as well. And I think it's not too much to just keep on celebrating it too. Like the Matildas within the same issue got the Champions of the Year Award for uniting Aussies and platforming women's sport in a way that we hadn't seen before. And remember that, like this is, you know, those scenes when we were all going out to watch them at live sites, these games, if we were lucky having tickets to go and see these sporting events. You haven't seen anything on that scale, I think, in years, you know, since the Olympics. Um, so we should absolutely be yelling that from the, the rooftops and celebrating that. Good on you, Mary. And with her iconic bubble ponytail, I always wanted to make one of those. Your hair would actually look good in a bubble ponytail. Have you ever tried that? Oh, yeah. Don't you think I haven't? I've tried them all, every hairstyle. Oh, I did read the other day too, speaking of hairstyles, um, this is a good one for, for those of us that might still have a crimper from the 80s, but apparently that's coming back. Oh, hell yeah. Too. Yeah. I love Just the crimper. Pull, pull that one out of the cupboard and uh, you'll be in fashion. <laughs> of course it is. That's going back too far though. I thought we were only in the 20 years ago. We're going back 40 years now. It's too <laughs> yeah. much. Uh, other big news this week, which um, you pointed me towards, and this is very um, of the uh, the 2000s as well, the BBC have unearthed a recording with a reporter which apparently shares Banksy's real name, the mysterious artist who almost has a kind of guerrilla art practice where he has protests and, and various messages in his art all over the world, does it at some pretty extraordinary places, but no one knows who he is. And he's been apparently named Miff. Well, basically a lost interview has been resurfaced. Someone found a, a mini disc, I think. Do you remember those? A mini and disc. Something like that in his I've still got them. <laughs> compartment. So do I. And uh, they've listened to the audio and it's from 2003 and they ask Banksy's real name if it is Robert Banks, to which the artist replies, it's Robbie. 
So Williams, no. That- <laughs> <laughs> Imagine oh if Banksy God. was actually Robbie Williams. Oh wow, wow! <laughs> Let me entertain you in yeah, every way, exactly, in so many ways. <laughs> Robert oh, Banks, though, wasn't that one of the characters from Mary Poppins, Mr. Banks? Oh, my God, I think you're right. So I still think, I still think it's wrong. It's utter bullshit. We don't know who it is. They, uh, they, I think we know it's probably not Massive Attack's Robert Del Naja, although I feel like you've got some views on that. No, I think um, it is. I still think it is. That's the strongest link for me because they both came from Bristol. Um, <laughs> it's a strong, strong idea. They both came from Bristol. But also there's, isn't there a theory, um, and I will admit I haven't followed this up too deeply, but there's a theory. For about two decades. <laughs> there's a theory that there is uh, the same time that Massive Attack were touring around the world, Banksy artworks would pop up. So that was mm. the kind of thing that it's like, why are they happening at the same time? Um, I just like the idea that Massive Attack and 3D from Massive Attack, who is Robert Del Naja, is uh, also just keeping busy making incredible artworks that changes the conversation. I just like that. I just want to know that. But I also just want to keep the mystery too. I like the mystery yeah. myth. I like the yeah. where in the world is Carmen San Diego mystery of it all. We love that. <laughs> we love it. Oh, hearts were broken this week, though. Did you hear about this? Oh, my God. One of my favourite Hall of Notes songs. <laughs> it is freaking genius. I can't go for that. Smooth. So smooth. Smooth music. Hollow Notes like the smoothest duo of all time. I mean, they raised us. They raised generations. And this is breaking news. If you haven't seen it yet, we are here to tell you. Heartbreaking news. Heartbreaking news. Daryl Hall is suing (laughs) John Oates. Apparently, it's been filed in Nashville's Chancery Court. Um, The lawsuit is sealed. We don't know much about it yet, Miff. Meaning that, you know, little information is is known publicly, but online records indicate that the case involves contract slash debt. And Mm. here's the kicker, a temporary restraining order was (sighs) issued in the case. Hall and Oates are not happy. Do you reckon they just walk into the thing? That's their argument. I can't go for that. I can't go for that. I I mean, I. Why can't they be friends? This breaks my heart. It's, they're the duo of all time. Um, I feel like this is very sad because, A, I had to, again, for the 750th millionth time, look up which one's Daryl Hall and which one's John Oates because I still don't know. I still don't know. Every I want that to remain a mystery as well. Them, I know. Every time I read about them, it's like they're one unit in my mind. They don't, they don't exist without each other. So this is heartbreaking on many, many levels. And, um, yeah, I'm just... You know, I mean, the the best bit has been the reactions, though, to this. And we probably shouldn't make fun of people's misfortune. There we is don't know what's stuff going, going down. Yeah, yeah. Very serious stuff going down. However, um, <laughs> any website that has posted this news has been inundated with amazing comments of response, especially on places like Instagram and TikTok, and they are amazing. Oh, my God. Stereo Gum posted about it this morning. And, yes, surely enough, there's more than 500 comments on there, including I can't go for that, no can do. Watch yeah. out, boy. He'll chew you up was another highlight. <laughs> now he's out of touch was another good one. Quite a few people were talking about out of touch. You're making my dreams fall through, said oh, someone. Oh, Brutal. Uh, and I love this one in particular. It looks like John Oates can't rely on the old man's money. <laughs> <gasps> 
and oh, ca- that's actually great. Capturing the feeling of Yacht Rock fans and just music fans worldwide. Someone else just wrote, more upset about this than my parents' divorce. <laughs> Devastating. I don't it want it to be that way. 2023 has been cooked enough, Miff. We don't need this. We need good no. stories, happy stories, not there poor notes taking each other. I think we're discovering now that this has happened. But if they are, we'll always find them for you. Actually, you found some good news for me this week. What's this Tammy Faye Baker musical that you told me about? Oh, Tammy Faye Baker, of course, who was married to uh, the tele-evangelist Jim Baker, who was then, of course, I guess, imprisoned for various uh, financial dodgy dealings and all of that. Basically, they stole money from their ministry Mm. and stole money from poor people who couldn't afford to pay. Uh, And she was the wife. And the the thing that stood out about her was that she was known for her big hair, her big eye makeup and her, her very big personality, but was also very compassionate at a time when others weren't of uh, for people with AIDS and it made her a bit of a popular figure among the gay community at the time. Um, so there has been a musical written about her, which I cannot wait to go to. I think I will love this because I watched that documentary that was on her life and uh, absolutely lapped it up. Um, the music has been put together by Elton John and Jake Shears. Oh, my God. <laughs> and Jake Shears, I imagine, will probably have a role in it given he's actually got now a Broadway career in both New York and in London. Yeah. So this is just, this is right in my wheelhouse. Take my money. It. Amazing. Yeah. Funnily enough, someone just actually sent me a message on one of the socials the other day and I usually don't have my DMs open, but they were looking at the Spicks and Specs promos from... Um, I think they came out when we announced that the show was coming back next year. Mm. And they were they were done last year. They were last year's promo, so they're not new. But someone said, gee, Miff, um, you know when you get concerning messages from people, they're like, gee, Miff, um, I think you better tone down the makeup. You look a little Tammy Faye Baker in oh your eyes. Oh, my God. And I didn't, I don't <laughs> think they realised what a compliment that was. <laughs> I loved it. Bring it back. Who wrote that to you? I don't like that at all, Miff. I know you take oh, it as a compliment, mind. but what the hell? Keep, oh, keep your opinions to yourself. Why would you do that to <laughs> someone? Oh, you know, people think they're helping because oh, they yeah. don't like something and they want to tell you and they think they're helping. And But, you know, frankly, I'm thinking differently and that's fine. People <laughs> think they're, uh, they're helping is a great, um, a kind way to talk about the internet, Miff Warhurst. Yes, it is because everyone, <laughs> everyone's views are important and valid, as we know. Uh-huh, that's right. Um, oh, that's a perfect segue into the other thing that you sent me this week. i got to say I heard oh. people talking about Greg Sheridan and I was like, I don't want to read this. And we're not no. going to talk too much about um, his piece that he posted in the Australian. Just to say this for the context, we need babies more than we need migrants, said columnist Greg Sheridan in The Australian this week. And Angela Priestley in The Women's Agenda, um, a great piece that I will put in the show notes that you sent me, has got quite the rebuttal to this um, fairly cooked and narrow-minded piece from from Greg Sheridan, doesn't she? Oh, yeah. Look, I read Greg's piece, so you don't have to. Thank you. Um, But I actually think this piece as a rebuttal is actually an encapsulation of the ideas that go down in his piece and uh, and absolute rebuttal of why these views are ridiculous. I mean, Greg's basically saying he wants a baby boom to support population growth and enable a confident future for the country, but he's also put it down to the fact that ideological and sexist denial of women's choices is leading women and men into having fewer children all over the Western world thanks to outdated ideology, and that outdated ideology is coercive feminism and green ideology, (laughs) i.e. 
um, feminism is stopping women having babies and the fact that people think that this world might not be a safe place to bring children into is also stopping people having babies. Now, look, you can have those views, whatever. I, I don't necessarily agree. However, this article is great. She basically just lists all the reasons as to why the population is falling. There's no mention of the cost and limiting choice of childcare. Uh, one income is not enough for most families to survive and someone's got to look after the kids and if it's too expensive to put them in childcare, then that obviously limits women's options when it comes to choosing to have children if it's just too expensive. The cost of living is through the roof. And statistically, um, who takes care of the kids, right? Yeah, exactly. And this is the bit that I thought was really interesting. The longer women are out of the workforce, the more a woman is penalised, uh, especially career-wise. If you lose five years at that very vital time in your 30s when you're stepping up ladders and all of that, mm. that it's very difficult to go back. You lose out in terms of superannuation. Uh, you lose out in so many ways. And apparently, um, she makes the point, father's earnings are not affected by parenthood. Isn't that interesting? Uh, <laughs> also then goes on to mention the housing crisis and inflation as reasons as to why maybe women might not want babies. And then the really obvious one, the kicker, not just wanting to settle to have a baby anymore. We've got options. So I loved it. It was great. It was just, it was factual. It was... I felt like I was in a debate, in a debating yeah. <laughs> competition. Yeah. Just and nailed I was just it. like, you win. You just win. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> Gold star, uh, gold to the team on the right in the affirmative or the negative, depending on um, which side you're taking. The stats here are pretty remarkable too. She also, Angela, points out that, you know, some women can't have children. So, and that's quite a you know, significant amount of people who can't, who are in reproductive age, who cannot have children. He just skated over, over that. But also that number, like you said, on current work trends, the average 25-year-old woman today who goes on to have one child can expect to end up with, wait for it, $2 million less in lifetime earnings than the average man who does the same. I mean, That's there it lot. is, isn't it? It's crazy. And we see that. Like, I think that having this conversation is just so narrow-minded. The stats around women choosing to have kids later in life are, are there as well because women mm. want to establish careers, want to build their own nest eggs because think again about the other end of life and this increasing epidemic of older women who are finding themselves homeless because they have mm. become the parents and caregivers of a whole family and have then become divorced later in life. And, and their have partners have got all of that nest egg sorted. They've got all their superannuation. They've got everything they need, their investments. And in many cases, there's women of a certain age who are over 50 and 60 who are finding themselves sleeping rough because they didn't have that nest egg because they put all of their efforts and all of their time and all of their personal economy into raising the family. Mm. And Greg Sheridan has conveniently Forgotten, forgotten all of all that. that. Forgotten all of that. <laughs> Don't know how. Maybe he just hadn't noticed because yeah. he's not a woman. Yeah, it's anyway. weird. It's weird how his perspective would uh, not incorporate that. But hey, quell mm. surprise. I'll put that yeah. great rebuttal into the show notes. It's well worth a read. Um, I think just as a little side bang as well. I've just started reading. Anna Funder's Wifedom, which is the... Oh, yes, I've got that on the bedside table. Yeah, I've read it because I've been... I started reading it because I saw Virginia Trioli, a.k.a. DJ Trigger, bang fan, mm. uh, posted about the fact that um, a couple of weekends ago in her weekend newsletter, women all over the country are leaving their husbands because of this book. <laughs> and it, ca it captures that inequality of 
domestic work, domestic labour, but also of just what a woman gives up and gives to her husband that is often unseen and very mm. much underappreciated. So um, I will be, I'm sure, banging on about that in the coming weeks. It's a very big book. We'll get to that soon. Hey, did you hear, Miff, that mm. Andre 3000 has released an ambient flute record? I'm so happy about this. I just kind of want to keep it playing. It made me so happy. I listened to it yesterday and it's really good. And I sound yeah, surprised because when you see the sen- sentence, Andre 3000, legendary rapper, one half of our cast, has released an ambient flute album. Mm. I mean, you wonder, don't you? You wonder how it's going to be. Well, I don't know. I was really pleased. You know, Andre 3000 has always known what we want. He's one of my favourite artists of all time. He always has a finger on the pulse and it's been 17 years since he released a record. He, I think he just kind of didn't want to release a record. And he, sent, he essentially went in to do it and said, I don't have anything to say. I don't think I can rap anymore, given what's going on in the world and given that he's ageing and he feels like the conversations he was having 25 years ago or whatever are no longer relevant. So he's just decided to go and make the record he wants to make and no-one expected it of him and I don't think you'd ever see an experimental ambient record at the top of Spotify charts, but here we are. It is 2023 and this is what is happening and it's, it feels right. The rise of ambient music too has been something that I think we've talked about before and bang on. Mm. It's something that a lot of popular artists have been doing. There's a real market for it. There's lots of meditation apps that do collabs with artists and stuff yeah. like that. But isn't that such a reflection of the times too that we just need that brain bath? That sometimes, yeah. you know, people are switching off the news, people are disengaging because life is becoming overwhelming and just not even news content but just content in general is just completely flooding every part of our senses and so in the response to that ambient music which was the realm of the kind of 60s 70s and 80s right when it first was coming Mm. up is living large again you were talking about his responses to making this record he actually this was posted on tiktok i think it came from gq magazine but here's andre 3000 just giving context to you know why he stopped rapping and and started making ambient music people think oh man he's just sitting on raps or like he's just holding these raps hostage like i ain't got no raps like that like it's it's sometimes it feels inauthentic for me to rap because i i don't have anything to talk about in that way like i'm 48 years old and not not to say that age is a thing that dictates what you rap about but in a in a way it does and like things that happen in my life like what do you talk like i gotta go get a a colonoscopy like what do you (laughs) <laughs> like, what do you rap about? You know what I mean? Like, my eyesight, my eyesight is going bad. Like, I mean, I would listen to that. I would listen to that record. <laughs> I want to hear that. I want to hear the follow up. How nice is um, it to hear someone being so candid about that? It's like you don't I have know. to remain relevant in the way that you think I'm relevant. I'm going to make stuff that m- matters to me and that connects to me, and therefore it's relevant to me and it's relevant to what I'm putting out into the world. I love yeah. that. I was wrapped. I played it on on Saturday night before people came around for dinner. I was going to say, was and that I, your party music? <laughs> yeah, and I was just, but I didn't want to turn it off. It was so calming. Yeah. 
was beautiful. It's really, Absolutely. really good. Yeah. Just a quick shout I'm out. Just... It. He's his finger on the pulse. We'll all be doing ambience soon. <laughs> yeah. Highly recommend it. Do listen to it. And also listen to another great release that came out this week. Um, a couple of days ago, Björk and Rosalia have released a great song together. It's called Oral. Oral spelt O-R-A-L. Okay, so not oral as in listening, A-U. No, oral as in like. What does that mean? Oral B. No, it's not about toothpaste. Uh. <laughs> Apparently it is, um, and you'll love this, it's very Björk, a statement to support action against intensive salmon farming. The song oh. aims to shed light on the alarming cruelty and severe environmental and ecological consequences of open pen ocean salmon farming in Iceland. Now, lyrically, I didn't get that from the song, but she could do it if she wants. It is the, <laughs> the most pop song that Björk has released in years, maybe even decades. Like, it's it's beautiful. So get into that. There's our um, We do talk music, art, life and stuff, and there's our little music bang for the week. Hey, before we get into Bang On and what we're banging on about this week, Miff, I just wanted to dig into the bang box to our email oh, yeah. inbox and share a couple of little gems with you because um, we all know you don't That's look, what we do. look at it. <laughs> Oh, I hear about it. You do. I said from you. I forward them all to you, and then I hear about it, <laughs> and I haven't read them. <laughs> I hear about. It. So even after what you're saying is, even after I forward you the emails, no, I do read them. <laughs> I read them. I read them all. Of course, I do. I love them. Laura says, "Hi, Zan and Miff. Unlike you, and this refers to last week's bang on." I wasn't surprised that Patrick Dempsey was voted Sexiest Man Alive this year. I think there's something going mm-hmm. on with teenagers and Grey's Anatomy. My 15-year-old has been binging Grey's and is obsessed with him and so is my 20-year-old. They talk what? about it a lot. And then my favourite line of this email, is it maybe the tickety-tocks? Oh. The tickety-tocks. <laughs> the tickety-tocks, maybe. That's what I'm going to call it now. Is it the tickety-tocks? The tickety-tocks. Whenever something goes viral and you don't understand, is it the tickety-tocks? Oh, I love that. <laughs> That's great. Big lovers. That's the geriatric term for it, and I'm fine with it. Is it the tickety talks, James? Do you think that? Do you think he's got like daddy energy or something? Is that it? Mm, What's going on? Yeah, maybe we need to be taken care of by Daddy McDreamy. Not me, but maybe you're onto something there. Or is it just the tickety talks? It's just the tickety talks. <laughs> That's the answer to everything. James also um, not just sent us an email, but you might have seen me sharing an Instagram post on my Instagram this week from someone who made their own Bang On merch. It is a Bang Fam tea. I will put the link in the show notes again. If you missed it this week, I'll make sure that you can see it because it's such a cool tea. James says, I was inspired by Bang Fam who recently Bang Fammed each other through an open car window to create a T-shirt proudly showing my Bang On allegiance. As I solo travel around Australia in my van, I hope this will make other fam giggle and help make some connections with like-minded people across this big, diverse, beautiful, and often complicated country. It goes without saying that the T-shirt has built-in nipples for that always excited look and and pre-applied deodorant to prevent the under-boob sweats. Drawing is a new hobby that I'm in the accidentally good phase of. So admittedly, my design isn't perfect. Miff's proportions are a little off and Zan looks like she's come straight from a Real Housewives franchise. Nothing wrong with that. Love it, James. 
Thanks for the glow up. Things don't need to be perfect when having fun being fashion icons in sequined dresses and big rubber croc boots. And that's what he has us in. You're in the big red, red boot. I'm in the yellow uh, Swiss cheese croc boot. And James finishes by saying, thanks for being my cool big sisters. This made my whole week, James. It was so beautiful. Like, so cute. Incredible. And actually, James is so, he's in the back of the van. The whole post is adorable. Um, Highlights for me were him smashing cheesels in the back of his van. And also, I sort of, you know, went through all the carousel of pictures he had. I was like, oh, this is really cute. But then I went back for a second look and I realized he's wearing goddamn Crocs. He's wearing Crocs in the van as well. (laughs) Like, he's really thought about this photo. Smart shoe for traveling. Smart shoe for traveling. But I want to check in with James because he's traveling around Australia. And as we gear towards the end of the year, I reckon we should do another Bang Back episode. What do you reckon? I think we should, yeah. I think we're due. I mean, we do it every year, so yes. And also we're going into summer, so we need to share all the recommendations, which our Bang Fam email us every week, DM us, tell us about things that they're getting excited about, that you're getting excited about. So we want to hear from you. We want you to Bang Back. We're going to do an episode in the next couple of weeks, so get to it. Email us via the email in the show notes. You can contact us too via, if you're listening in the ABC Listen app, there's a little contact button. You can just hit that and that will take you to um, a little message bank for us as well. But we'd love to hear from you and hear your bang backs. And we will get to that and share all of the good bang on recommendations for a wonderful culturally, um, socially and stupidly fun summer uh, before Mm. we get out of here in 2023. Can't wait. Can't wait. It's my favourite time of the year. Better it's than so Christmas. Good. Yeah, it really is. We love hanging out with the Bang fam. What are you banging on about this week, my fun way? I have been to see the movie that everyone is talking about, Saltburn. <gasps> I'm so curious because I'm hearing mixed reviews. Oh, okay, directed by Emerald Fennell, who did Promising Young Woman, which was an amazing film, I think. If you've seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I haven't got the time to, to delve into that one just yet, but... Emerald has been set up as, you know, the new bright thing in terms of women directors, a really interesting approach to filmmaking. Anyway, I went and saw Saltburn and to be honest, I don't know if I loved it or I hated it. (laughs) And that's why I'm banging back about it, banging on about it, sorry, because I still don't know what I think, but I haven't stopped thinking about it Mm. since I saw it for a couple of days. And there's very few films that you feel that way about. I have to admit. It's set in 2006, two boys at Oxford. Uh, there's the character Oliver, who's Barry Keoghan. Is, is that how you say his name? I don't Keegan, actually know. He was the guy who was like the, the breakout star of um, The Ballad of Inner Sharon with um, oh, yes. Brendan Gleeson yeah. and Colin Farrell. Yeah, he was the young guy in that who was everyone was talking about. He's great. Yeah, Keegan, then, if, if that's how you say it. And Felix, who's played by an Australian fellow, Jacob Elordi. And they become friends at Oxford. Felix, who's played by Jacob, is obviously extremely wealthy, has a country house. And Oliver tells a few porky pies to make Felix feel sorry for him in order to forge their friendship and get an invite to the country house for the summer. And then all hell breaks loose. Um, It's a... I won't go into the details of the plot because, quite frankly, when you walk out of there, you're like, what the fuck just happened? (laughs) There's some stuff in there that is... Absolutely gross and revolting. There's a few sex scenes where you're like, this is this can't be real, this is not happening, and I'm watching this, this is not happening. Um, it's But it's basically an eat the rich story. Ah. And I think it's supposed to be about toxic elitism, but 
I also think it's it's quite confused in a lot of ways because it you don't really hate these elite wealthy people. You kind of feel a bit sorry for them. They're all a bit self-absorbed, but they're not all like they're not entirely awful. So I feel like it doesn't quite come off in that sense. And then things just go absolutely bonkers towards the end. And you're like, oh, what did I just watch? I don't know. <laughs> Do I like it? I don't know. But confused. the fact that I'm even still thinking about it yeah. means good on her, Emerald, for, for making this movie because, you know, it, it's pushing boundaries. Not sure what they are, but... <laughs> <laughs> It's I'm good really... to see a movie like this, you know, um, and people hate it or they love it. Like there's, it's wildly And you're confused about how you feel about it I'm at all. I'm just confused. I don't know. I, look, I have one, one note, too long, two hours, mm. too long. Doesn't need to be that long. But however, um, yeah, it's, uh, I'm still thinking about it. So that's why I'm banging on about it. Okay, great. All right. I'll, well, interestingly, the thing that I'm banging on about is the film I saw instead of Saltburn because I'd planned to see it on Saturday night and then, or Sunday night, and then I saw a friend of mine post on Instagram, Ooh. Emerald Fennell should go to director jail for that film. And I was like, <laughs> whoa. Yeah. And I took that as like, I mean, his friend is like a culture reviewer, yeah. editor. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, but see, I kind of like that there's a film that makes you feel that way in this day and age. Yeah. Well, I was turned off, it, so now I'm turned back on it. So thank you for yeah. taking me through this confusing junction of what I said, you know, f- whether I said. I really love Emerald Fennell, so I really do want to see it. So I will see it. But um, instead of seeing Saltburn, I saw Dumb Money, which has actually been in the theatres for a few weeks. This is the film which is based on the story of... GameStop, which was a stock and like, it's kind of like, um, what's the game shop in Australia? Is it EQ, EZ, is it EQ? Mind Games. EB, EB. EB. EB Games. And so it's kind of like a game shop basically. Right. And um, it, although it's called GameStop and basically it's like a very, like a penny stock, a cheap stock. And you know how in America, like if you've ever seen The Big Short, that other film about, you know, the stock market – just hedge fund dickheads and rich people just constantly game the market and they short the stocks and then they make huge amounts of money. So basically all these rich people tried to short the stock in order to make a big profit. But then this like basically huge community of computer game fans and nerds and people on Reddit gathered together en masse the power of the people and that has kept on buying the stock and pushing its value up. And some mm. people who were just everyday people, kind of like internet investors, not people who worked on Wall Street, got very, very rich. And Paul Dano is the guy that sort of starts it all. He's got this Reddit, YouTube channel, he's a YouTuber, he's on Reddit, all that sort of stuff. Um, America Ferreira is in it. She's one of the investors um, Shailene Woodley is Paul Dano's wife. It's just fun. Like I like, I I find that stuff kind of sickening to watch because the American system and just the stock market system is a game. It's just like if you know what you're doing, you can make obscene amounts of money for stupid reasons. And I just think it's just a bit gross to watch, but also highly entertaining. Yeah. Um, and I watched. I only mention it because I watched it knowing that it was going to leave the cinemas soon, and I really enjoyed it. Like Paul Dano's a great actor. I love yeah. Shailene Woodley. And um, it was, you know, if you like that sort of thing, if you didn't know anything about it, it's called Dumb Money. If you're like, what is Dumb this money. film? It's about that whole GameStop thing, which came up during the pandemic as well. It's a very recent story. It's interesting to see films come out of something that was really happening in 2020. It was only like three years ago. And they're already mm. kind of, you know, obviously the success of films like The Big Short and stuff mean that there's a hunger for that. So, yeah. 
That's what I yep. saw instead of salt burn. But now I'll not see salt sure, burn. Not sure there's a hunger for salt burn. I don't. I still don't know if I hated it or not. But yeah, the fact I'm still questioning. There's some great performances. Rosamund Pike is amazing in it. There's, but yeah, it's it's a broken film. But I kind of like that it's so broken. It's a bit like life, it, isn't it? it? Adventures into farce <laughs> towards the end, and you're like, oh no. <laughs> so yeah, it threw me. I'm going like to I'm gonna try and see the Robbie Williams doco too. We haven't talked about that yet, but the four-part series on Netflix, things have been, as you probably realise, a little bit nutty for the both of us. Um, mm. I haven't had much time to watch stuff, but I will try and watch that because I'm kind of keen. And we're obsessed with all of these Netflix character documentaries at the moment too, so I really want to see that. But that's for the future. As our bangbacks, we'd love to hear your recommendations. Hit us up um, in the bang on inbox. The email address is in the show notes. And I'll bloody see you next week. See you next week. Bye, babs. Bye.